right. Everybody doing good today? Man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? I, I think it is anyway. And uh, it, I'll just tell you this. It was good just being able to shake hands and hug necks and uh, just kind of talk to people. And I don't know about you guys, but... It, you know, it feels like a church family, and it feels like a family. So uh, even seeing some of you guys I hadn't seen in a while uh, is always good. But, uh, man, it's just something about being a part of a church family that, uh, man, I, you can't replace it other ways. Uh, so hopefully you guys enjoy that, and uh, you, you, you enjoy seeing each other. Because we're talking about love today. I don't know if you all know that. So you got to love each other, and we're going to be uh, kind of unpacking that a little bit today. And uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover because uh, we're going to be really looking at a a chapter today. So we're going to be moving kind of quick. Hopefully I can teach quick and you guys can listen quick, right? And uh, so that's kind of the goal. But uh, man, I want to say this. Last week was awesome. We had tables set up all around and I, I saw so many families getting connected in life group and uh, people uh, getting information, getting connected. And, uh, and so hopefully you guys have realized, hey, that's, that's part of being connected here at Journey Church. And that's how, really how you become a part of the family is, is getting in, engaged and connected in life groups and in Dream Team. And um, I know some of you guys didn't because I was standing at the back door and I watched you run out the back door. And uh, some of them, I used to say, hey, hey, where are you going? The life groups are over here. And uh, they were like, well, I've got a QR code. And I'm like, okay. So I hope that you guys have not let the enemy rob you of getting connected because he will. He'll tell you you're too busy. He'll tell you that uh, you don't have time. He'll tell you that uh, it's kind of out of your comfort zone and all those things. Don't listen to the enemy. You need people in your life. You need, you need people around you to help you grow and become who God wants you to be. So don't miss out on that. So today we're, uh, we're kicking off a series uh, called Love. And uh, this message series is um, about an important subject. And of course, you know, we, here we are, we're in, you know, February, Valentine's is coming up. So you start seeing the word love everywhere and hearts and stuff like that. And I think sometimes what we do is we have a misconstrued mentality of what love is. And what we do is we've been sold the pattern by the world that it's uh, warm fuzzies or butterflies or emotions or whatever, whenever God says it's way more than that. So I want us to kind of unpack that because we talk, we talk about we love everything, right? I mean, you, a lot of you guys would say, man, I love football. I love college football. I love oysters, which is, looks like, you know, snot on a cracker, you know, to me, raw oysters or whatever. But the thing is, is we, we'll love just about anything. And we'll love stuff that gross people out, you know what I'm saying? But we love, we say we love everything. But really what we do is we like certain things and we don't really understand the, what love really is if we apply that word to everything that we do or everything that we really like a lot and we have to say, I love it, I love it, you know. Then here's the thing, we don't really understand what love is. So hopefully today, all of us will kind of walk out of here with a little bit better understanding of what love is. So we're going to go to the love chapter, if you will. And, and in this chapter, Paul says that love is the greatest. Of all the things that we will talk about, he said love is the greatest. And, and so it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's known as the love chapter. And uh, so some of you guys, this would probably be a good uh, chapter of verse, uh, verses to read this week. And maybe throughout this month as you're, maybe you are feeling a little bit romantic or whatever. Look at what love is. Look at what God's word says love is. But it says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It says, hey, man, if I've got all these great oratory skills and I get to do whatever and I can speak to whoever, man, it doesn't really matter if I don't love people. You know, some people, they love, they love a crowd, but they hate people. So if I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. That's a strong statement. So in other words, all this knowledge, all this you know, wisdom, and even all this faith, he says, man, I would be, and I didn't love, I'd be nothing. 
If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And so Paul is writing this letter uh, to, the, to the churches there. And he's going, hey, listen, man, you got to understand, it's all about love. And I would just say this to our church and, to, and say it to myself. It's got to be wrapped and it's all got to be about love. God's love is not about other things that are important, but this is the greatest. So Paul says that love is more important than spiritual gifts. So a lot of us, we put a lot of attention into our spiritual gifts, how we're gifted. And, and the thing is, is God has gifted all of us with a spiritual gift that have put our faith in Christ, that have surrendered our life to Christ, that have been sealed with the Holy Spirit into the day of redemption. We have a spiritual gift. So everybody in this room that has done that needs to know what your spiritual gifts are. We have a serve class that's coming up that you guys need to be a part of if you don't know what that is. And so there's spiritual gift tests that will help you, you know, assess that and figure out what your spiritual gifts are. And some of you guys know what they are, but you don't use them, right? And so what Paul is saying, man, you can have great spiritual gifts and you can use them, but I'm just telling you, they're not the most important thing. The most important thing is love. So Paul says that love is more important than even our spiritual gifts. And let me tell you, our spiritual gifts are important not only to what, to, my, to me, I need to know what they are so I can grow in them and learn how to use them. They're important to the church. Because it, when I use my spiritual gifts, they help build up the body of Christ, and they help the body of Christ, the church, literally fulfill its mission and its kingdom. It helps fulfill the Great Commission. So not only do I need to use my spiritual gifts, every one of you guys, everybody watching online, needs to be using their spiritual gifts. And if you don't know what they are, then go to the serve class or discover what your spiritual gifts are. And here's the thing, use them for the uh, building up of the body of Christ. But Paul says they're not the most important thing. He also says that love is more important than knowledge. More important than knowledge. Now, a lot of people uh, will spend a lot of time studying the Bible, which is a good thing, right? And oftentimes, the knowledge of the Bible and the studying of the Bible can become literally uh, an encumbrance to you being obedient to God. You want to just be in another Bible study. And I say this all the time. If we would just all live up to what we already know, our nation would be different, our community would be different, our families would be different, and we would be different. If we would live up to and just do what we already know and what we've already learned in Scripture. Some of us don't need another Bible study. Some of us need, need to apply what we already know. We just need to live it out. We need to find the application, right? So one of the things that we do in, in, in my life group is we talk about the application of the Scripture you know, from the, from the sermon. It's not about, hey, listen, let's uh, do another Bible study. Hey, listen, let's just apply what we've already learned, right? And so Paul says, hey, love is, uh, love is more important than knowledge. And there's some people that will just spend all their time studying the Scriptures and never doing the Scriptures, never doing what it says. And so if you're one of those where you love knowledge, it can become your idol. It can get in the way of your relationship with God. And there's a lot of people that kind of make it about knowledge to where it gets in the way of their relationship because it's like, if I, don't, if I can't figure it out, I won't trust God in that area of my life. And so nothing wrong with knowledge. It's a good thing, right? But we need to know the Word of God. We need to apply the Word of God. But we, it, we can't say that it's more important than, than love. And then Paul says that love is more important than faith. And that's a big one because we all know that faith is what moves the heart of God. Faith is what makes God smile. So God loves to bless faith. We look back at Jesus, man, Jesus would be literally teaching and these guys would tear the roof open of the house and they would lower this friend of theirs that was paralyzed down. And he would say, because of your faith, you're healed. Get up, take your mat and walk. And so Jesus was moved by people's faith. Jesus was God in flesh, right? I mean, he dwelt among us. He lived among us. And so we know that God blesses faith. But Paul says that, hey, man, you can have the faith to say this mountain, go and move. But if you don't love, it doesn't matter. 
And so a lot of us make it all about faith, but Paul is saying, hey, it's love is the motivation. We've got to understand what love is. And too often, like I said, we have this worldly view of love where it's all about butterflies and emotions and, and these feelings, whatever. It's got to be really be about truth. God's Word is truth. Jesus was the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. So it's the Word of God. And so Paul says that love is more important than generosity. You know, a lot of us think, uh, you know, we always say this, hey, man, if I had this much money, this is what I would do. I'll just tell you that's probably not true because whatever amount of money you have, if you are doing what you say you would do, if you had a lot of money, you would be doing that by percentage. In other words, you won't do it with a lot of money because you won't do it with a little bit of money. The widow gave all she had, right? And Jesus commended her and said, hey, man, she gave more than anybody. And so it's not about how much you have. It's what you do with what you have. And, and so generosity is important. I mean, Jesus would commend it. He would talk about it. But Paul says that love is more important than just generosity. So what is love? That's the question we, I want us to try to answer today. What is love? Uh, because, you know, a lot of us, like I said, we've been taught to say, I love this, I love that. Some of us feel like, hey, well, I love that person because I have these feelings. You can fall in love with the wrong person, and it happens all the time. You can become enamored. You can fall in love, if you want to call it that, with someone who is abusive to you, who treats you bad, who does not have any respect for you. I mean, you can fall into some messed up relationships, and you can call it love because that's what the world calls it. But really what God says is this is what love is, and I love the fact that the text, the Scripture, tells us what love is. It says love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude, and it does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. So what God's word says, this is what love is. This is what love is. And it doesn't oftentimes look like what we think or what we call or what we say love is. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love, it never loses faith and is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And so, so let's look at what love is. We're going to break it down. We'll come back, walk back through these so what love is, is being patient and kind. And so I want, you know, I don't know if you watched that video, kind of the bumper video, but it's asking some questions. And even asked, do I love like this? You know, does God love me? Do I love others? You know, and it's, it's got all these questions in there. So what I want you to walk away with today is asking yourself, you know, do I have a biblical concept of what love is? Do I have a biblical definition of what love is in my life? And am I li living that out? Am I trying to live in a way that honors God and that this love is evident to the people around me, to my family, to my friends, to my coworkers, to everybody? And so love is patient and kind. So most of us, you know, struggle with patience and nobody wants to pray for patience, right? Because you feel like, man, if I pray for patience, God's going to put me through hell. I know what he's going to do, you know? And, and, but the thing is, is man, we've got to pray. God, give me, give me patience. It's the fruit of the spirit. Kindness, you know, being kind towards people. And, and we can be kind to the people we like, but are we patient and kind with other people, everyone, people that aren't like us, don't look like us? You know, are we patient with everyone? Are we just patient with the ones we like? And so not jealous, boastful, or rude. Now, you know probably already if you're a person that's jealous. If you're jealous of other people, you get jealous of what they've got. Now, you know, you got envy where you envy, you wish you had what they had, but are you jealous, the green-eyed monster? Does it wreck your relationship? Does it wreck your marriage? So you know if you're jealous, you know, and so you'd say, you know what? That's not a good picture of love. 
boastful? Do you brag? Are you braggadocious? You always got to let everybody know what you did. You think you need to point out things that you did, you, what you've accomplished or what somebody said about you or what trophy you got. I mean, so are you boastful or do you like to let everybody know what you got so that they can feel, you can feel like you have succeeded? You know, I've heard uh, guys will talk about their dad will say, hey, listen, man, you're going to be a loser. You're never going to amount to anything. And that guy spends his whole life trying to tell everybody that he's amounted to something because he's trying to prove his dad wrong. And so we become boastful, not because of, you know, of being healthy, but because of us being unhealthy and so are rude. And so maybe you're one of those where, you know, you're rude, you know, and you're, and you don't care. And let me tell you, I know a lot of times as old people, man, some of you old folks can get rude and you don't care, you know, and, and we'll, we'll even say, Hey man, they just don't care anymore. You don't care about your socks matching or anything else. You know what I'm saying? And what we do is we just say, Hey, they're just a rude old man, a rude old lady. And I'm just saying, I don't care how old you are. That's not what you're supposed to do. That's not biblical. Now, there may be a point where, hey, things don't matter as much anymore, but there's never an okay, hey, it's okay to be rude. But what we should be asking is, God, help me to be Jesus with skin on. Help me to be humble. Help me to be, you know, kind, patient and kind. Does not demand its own way. Now, that goes against most everybody in the room. We all struggle with that, right? Does not demand its own way. Most of us in this room would probably struggle to admit that we do want things to go our way most of the time. We want what we want. And oftentimes we will say that we really don't, you know, it's like whenever you ask your spouse, Hey, listen, where do you want to eat? And they go, Oh, it doesn't matter to me. You pick it and you pick it and they go, well, I really don't want that. See, that's manipulation is what that is. And, uh, and so you want your own way, but you make it sound like you want them to have their way. You know what I'm saying? But it's really not true. And so a lot of us in this room, we will struggle because we're selfish people that we want our way. We want what we want. We want it on our time and we want it when we say we want it, right? And it's like waiting on your spouse. You ever have to wait on your spouse? You know, you, you act like, hey, I'm, I'm being patient here and you're waiting, but inside you're boiling over. You know what I'm saying? You're like, come on. And you know, I used to toot the horn at Laurie whenever she was inside. I think she would just sit down. You know, I was like, all right, that never works. So guys don't ever try that. You know, it would just make her mad, I think. So so anyway, so don't, uh, so don't, does not demand its own way, but because of our selfish fleshly nature, we, we wrestle with that one a lot, but love crucifies the flesh, denies the flesh and says, Hey, it's about God's kingdom and God's will and God's, God's word and God's love being evident in me to the people around me. So we've got to be willing to die to that. It's not irritable. All right. So that could affect a lot of us in the room, right? Some of y'all may have got here. Somebody's laughing over here, whatever already, but anyway, so not irritable. But the thing is, is maybe this morning you woke up irritable. You know, I mean, uh, there's some great commercials about being hangry, right? I mean, you just don't eat and your blood sugar gets messed up and all of a sudden you want to rip everybody's head off. Or either you get up and you say, hey, well, I hadn't had my coffee yet. You know, uh, like Laurie is not an early riser at all. Uh, so I, w I go to sleep. When I lay down, I'm gone. I mean, I lay down. She can ask me a question and halfway through that question, I'm out. You know, and then I wake up and I'm ready to go. Like, hey, it's daytime. Let's go. Well, with Laurie, it's like rousing a bear. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not a good, she's not here today, so I can say all that. And uh, so it's like rousing a bear sometimes. And I'll even ask her a question. She goes, I'm not awake yet. I haven't had my coffee. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, what's wrong with you? And so she's got to have her coffee and then she's got to have her quiet time. And then she's back to human. You know what I'm saying? I mean, she's back to normal or whatever. And, uh, but we can get irritable about a lot of things, right? It's not just in the morning. And like I said, we'll talk about, hey, man, I love being a morning person, or I love, you know, being a night owl, or I love, we can put love on everything. But we can get irritable about a lot of things. Little things can make us irritable. Driving, 
You know, I've told you guys, man, I struggle sometimes with road rage. Whenever someone cuts you off, man, it's, it just wants to get there. You can become irritable. Uh, you know, if you're not prepared for something, you can become irritable. I mean, there's a lot of things that can get in the way. But the, the scripture says that I'm not irritable if I have love, if I have God's perfect love in me. I'm not always irritable. You know, I may, I may, I've got to be willing to say, God, help me to die to that. Here's another one. Keeps no record of being wronged. You know, there's a, a saying that says, hey, man, Jesus can forgive but, you know, a daddy remembers or whatever. And so here's what I would say to you. We've got to be willing to say, God, help me to not keep a record of wrongs. Help me to really love my spouse. Help me to love my children. Help me to love people that I'm not always keeping a record of what they did wrong. And sometimes in a, in a marriage, you know, we'll get into an argument or even in just a dating relationship, you can get into an argument and you'll bring up past relationship arguments or past arguments where it's already been settled. You've already offered forgiveness. You've already said, hey, listen, that, we're, we're good. And then all of a sudden you say, well, you remember when you did whatever, that's, that's not what love is. If you're keeping a record of wrongs and you're, you're kind of, every time that you have an argument, you have to bring up what they did wrong. You don't really love your spouse. I know it sounds harsh, but not the way that God expects you to love them. You're loving the way the world says to love them that, Hey man, they, they've got to keep an agenda. They got to make sure that they earn everything back. You know, and they earn your affection. They earn your love. That's not true. We've got to be able to say, God, help me to keep no record of being wronged. And then this one does not rejoice about injustice. And so I, the only one, that, the, there's a couple of these that popped into my mind, just an illustration of this, but I was thinking about how, you know, you can be watching a football game and it always amazes me how two people can be watching the same game that can be a, for the opposing teams and they see the play exactly the opposite of the other. Does anybody understand that? And, and you go, all right, so here's the thing is you, you does not rejoice about injustice. So if your team gets the ball on a turnover or something, whatever, and you know, you know what, they should not have got it. You don't get excited. You go, man, that was wrong. The ball should have gone to the other team, right? But a lot of times what we do is we, we think about this and we go, you know, I want everything to go my way. I want everything to go the way for my team's way or whatever it might be. But we don't rejoice about injustice. In other words, it bothers us. Not that our team wins, not that my family wins, you could be in a court case or something like that, and your, your family's guilty, but you get excited about there being injustice, not, justice not being served. If you really love your family, you've got to say, hey, listen, I know what you did was wrong, but here's the thing. We've got to be willing to say, God, praying for your mercy and your grace, but we also want things to be done right, right? And then this one here, rejoices when the truth wins out. So you get excited about the truth actually happening, about the, you know, the, hey, it, it didn't go in my favor, but you know what? It's the truth. It came out. Now that's, that's a love that, that's a love for God. That's a love for God's truth, a love for, love for God's word that our world says that's not the way we should be. We should always be wanting it to go our way, whether it's truth or not, whether it's justice or not, right? And we see that oftentimes we'll, we'll see that in our political system where, Hey, maybe one party does something. We're like, Hey man, yeah, we're all against them. But what, instead of it being a political thing, what, what if we say, Hey, listen, we want it to be a truth thing. It's not one party against another. We want the truth to come out. That's what it should be, right? So if we really love our country, we really love one another, then we will rejoice when the truth wins out. And then I love this one. Never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. So all these are definitions of love. So never gives up. So in other words, they're not always throwing the towel in. They're not always like, God, I'm done with you. God, you didn't respond the way I wanted you to. God, you're just not hearing my prayers. And they're not giving up. They're not giving up on family. They're not giving up on people. They're going, God, I believe. God, I trust. God, I have faith. And, and I love this. It says, they never gives up, never loses faith. 
I mean, things may not be going our way. We go to the doctor, we get a bad diagnosis or we get a bad report. It's, not, it's like, you know what? It's just not working. Prayer's not working, but we stay with it. It says, it's always hopeful, always hopeful that there's going to be healing. Always hopeful, you know, that God is going to do what God can do. But here's the thing, it has to be his will, not mine. And endures through every circumstance. You know, I gave away some books last week uh, called Dangerous Prayers. And in that book, it talks about praying the prayer of God, you know, search me. And so that's a dangerous prayer to pray, that we're praying, God, search me. And so we're asking the Holy Spirit, God, to really show me anything that is offensive, anything that hurts his heart, that we would confess that, we would see it as sin, we would walk away from it. The second prayer, if you remember, was, God, break me. And what we do, we have a tendency to pray comfortable prayers. We're like, God, I want you to give me traveling mercies. God, I want you to watch over my kids. God, I want you to meet all my financial needs. God, I want you to do all. And so we want, we want comfort zone. We want the American dream. We, we want all, but we don't want God to really break us over our sin or to break us to the point that we're fully dependent upon him. Even though that's what scripture teaches. See, again, we want part of what scripture says. We just don't want all of what scripture says. And so when we start saying, God, I want you to break me, that he may take you through a tough season in life. He may take you through a tough season where you are fully dependent and you have to fully depend on him. And you've got to go, God, I'm okay with whatever you want, whatever you desire. Then here's the thing, that's, that's being in a good place. Jesus in the garden, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And so when we say, God, I want you to break me, sometimes he will have to break us of our dependency on self, our dependency on others, and our desire to be in control. And so God has to break us of those things. So what love is not, and let me be clear about this, it is not being a doormat. I think sometimes in marriages and sometimes in relationships, we feel like, well, I've got to put up with whatever. That's not true. You know, God's word gives us boundaries and stuff in there, healthy boundaries. And so we're not to be a doormat. So what love is not, it is not being a doormat that you just let people trample all over you. Jesus, who was the son of God, you know, he still stood firm on some things, right? And he still gave some pushback on some things. And so we, we're wanting to be like Christ. We've got to know when to say no. We've got to know when to say yes, right? And so it's not being a doormat. So you're not to be trampled upon. And it's not being an, an enabler. Maybe you've got a family member that you continue to enable them to continue to live in, in disobedience or maybe to live in defiance of God. And you as a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister or, you know, whatever it might be, whatever relative you are, or even just a friend, you continue to enable them because you feel like, well, I'm supposed to love them, but you've got to love them enough to sometimes say no. Tough love is a good thing. And sometimes we have to experience tough love and we have to go through tough love so we've got to be willing to say god help me to not be an enabler but help me to be willing to love my family my friend whatever it might be enough to say no that's okay and then here's another one it is not living without boundaries you know there's a there's a actually it was a life group that was back here in the back i think uh, suzanne pierce is leading it that was on boundaries and i would encourage any of you in this room to to take that uh, life group and get involved in that life group because boundaries is kind of that whole book if you go to christian counseling most of the time the counselor is going to invite encourage you to read henry cloud and john townsend's book boundaries and what it is is you figuring out where you end and someone else begins kind of you know like you got to understand who you are and then you got to understand how oftentimes we get caught up in codependent relationships and we're kind of all meshed together and we really we need to know who we are in christ and they need to know who the, who they are in christ and so I would strongly encourage you guys to get involved in that. If you feel like you have unhealthy boundaries, then you need to understand how to really love people the way that God intends for you to love people. 
It's not to be an enabler. It's not to, like I said, be a doormat. And it's not to have unhealthy boundaries. We have healthy boundaries for a reason, right? Like there's a boundary around this. There's a little lip right there. If I stay one step too much, I could be off in the, on my face right there. You know, there's boundaries on the side of the roads. We have guardrails. We have a yellow line to kind of tell you, hey, this is your half. That's their half. And I know some of you guys don't really honor that, but I'm just saying, you know, that's there for a reason. You know, we have guardrails. They're like these, the, all this electricity, there's panels in there. that you, Those panels, you can't touch certain wires so that you won't get electrocuted. That's a boundary. And it's to, it's to help you be safe and, and hopefully to be healthy. And, and we need to have healthy boundaries. And here's the last one. It is not living in a dangerous or abusive situation. We see this all the time in domestic situations where someone will say, well, I love him or I love her, but it's a dangerous situation. There's a, there's a time you have to step out. It's a time you have to move away from that and maybe separate. But it, that is not love. That is called dysfunction. And that is called codependency or that's called something else. But you do not have to stay in a dangerous situation in a relationship that is abusive. You, know, you have to be willing to say, you know what, I have to, I have to step away for a season. But you've got to be willing to trust God to bring health there and not, not kind of paint it as love because you're staying in a dysfunction. You've got to be willing to say, you know what, God, I want to be in the middle of what is safe and what is, uh, what, what is God honoring. So that's what love is not. So Ephesians 4.2 says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of, of, your, of your love. So here's the thing. We've all got faults. We're all broken people. This room is full of broken people. Everybody watching online, broken We've been taught wrong things by our, our parents. We've been taught wrong things by the world. And so we are in need of a Savior who will change and transform us. Not only does he save us, but he transforms us. And he teaches us how to experience true love, what God intends whenever he says love. And so, so I want you guys to understand that when we do this, we have to be humble, teachable, moldable. You know, I hope that, man, my, I don't care how old I live, that I am teachable and moldable until the day I die. I want to learn from God. You know, all this week, you know, I've been learning as God's teaching me, as I share with you guys what he's been teaching me. But you want to be gentle. And oftentimes we can become harsh. We get burned by life and all of a sudden we become bitter. We have to be careful of that. So be patient with each other. There's the fruit of the spirit again, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. It's about love, right? So let's look at this next part. God is love. And I think most of us in the room know that, but do we really understand that? So we know what, 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 lo- what love is. And so scripture says God is love. And so all those attributes that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 are really the picture of who God is and how he is at work inside of us. And so if we have been filled with God's spirit and he lives within us and then the Holy Spirit is at work inside of us, hopefully trying to bring all that fruit to life and that we do have the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and so on. We have those because the Holy Spirit is at work in us. So let's look at this. In 1 John 4, 7 through 12, it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from who? From God. That's where it comes from. So all this false stuff, all this superficial stuff that you see that the world is selling, that's not of God. And a lot of it is evident. You know, we, we see a lot of stuff that is sold as love that, man, it's just garbage and a fake. It says, Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So if we look at that passage, we, we, we go, wait a minute. So if you understand what love is, like we just saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, then you know what love is. And if you're living that out, here's the thing, then it's because of God being in you. Because that doesn't happen naturally. Because of us being selfish and self-centered, and it's all about us, and we're greedy, and we're jealous, and we're boastful, and all that other stuff. We go, you know, that's what I get from this world 
But God is saying, man, if we know him, it changes all that. So God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. We all know John 3, 16, and we look at that and we go, all right, God did love me. And God does love the world because he gave his one and only son who went to the cross, who died for my sins, for my transgressions, for my lying, for my boastfulness, my rudeness, my whatever. Jesus died for all that so that I could be set free from sin and I could walk in righteousness. That's what he died for. And so whenever we get our mind around that, we begin to go, all right, that's how much God loved me. And he's telling us, hey, I want you to love uh, others the same way. So God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. That's the only way we have it is through Jesus. You'll never be good enough. You can't, you can't uh, do enough good deeds. You can't earn it. It's only by faith in what Christ has done. It's only through him. It says, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love who? each other so what god's word is not saying to tolerate people nor to hate people especially if we're believers because they don't look like us they don't vote like us they don't act like us but we're to love each other and we go back to that picture that we saw in first corinthians that we love them with patience and kindness we don't keep records of wrongs we begin to go all right that's what god means when he says to love each other and it's not It's not something that we keep records of and we go, well, if they think like I do, if they act like I do, if they dress like I do or whatever, then I'll love them. No, no, we love them because God loved us first. And look at how different we all are, but he loved all of us. So that's the picture that we see. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us when we love people and we accept people. And here's the thing, you know, God, God hates sin. We know that. God hates sin. He hates the sin in my life. He hates the sin in your life. But, man, he loves me, and he loves you. And he loves the people that we see that are out there that don't know Christ, that are living in rebellion to God. God loves them. And here's the thing, we've got to love them too. Not hate them, but love them. So as we grow in God's love, our love grows. So the more that I spend time in God's Word, the more that I spend time in the Word of God, in prayer, in worship, in meditation, The more that I spend time doing those things, the more that I begin to understand God's love for me. And I begin to understand God's love for people. And here's the thing. So my love, our love grows in our understanding of how much God loves me and how much I'm supposed to love others. And so again, we see this in 1 John. We know how much God loves us. Hopefully you know that. Maybe if you're watching online or maybe you're here in the room and you're one of those where you still feel like, you know, I don't know if God loves me. I promise you he does. He sent his son into the world to die for you. He loves you, man, with a love that we can't even get our mind around. That's what this whole passage is trying to get us to understand. And we have put our trust in his love. Hopefully, everyone in this room has put their trust in in, in God's love. They have been saved. They have been redeemed. They have been bought with the price of Jesus' blood. So hopefully, everybody in this room has done it. But if you haven't, man, today needs to be the day of salvation for you. For everybody watching online, maybe that hasn't happened in your life. Today needs to be the day of salvation. And you need to allow Christ to come into you and to save you, to redeem you, to make you whole. And so God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So see, he's placed his spirit within us. For the believer, those of you that have put your faith in Christ, that have surrendered your life to Christ by faith, you have the spirit of God living in you. So therefore, you have love, and sometimes it's covered up by flesh. 
It's covered up by garbage. It's covered up by wounds. It's covered up by hurt. It's covered up by all this stuff. And we got to say, God, I want you to remove this stuff. Search me and show me if there's any offensive way. God, show me, break me over the sin. And God, I want you to shine through. That's what we're asking. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, work in me. Show me what's going on. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. I love that. So as we're growing, as we live in God, our love becomes more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. See, it goes back to, we're not worried about when we breathe our last because we know that we have peace with God which passes all understanding because of our faith in what Jesus did on the cross. And we know that Jesus is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. And we know that. And we have put our faith in him. We have surrendered our life to him. And so we know that he lives within us, right? So we have that peace. We have that joy. And, and we're confident in that. And so here's the thing. We're not worried about when we breathe our last because we know that we have already breathed his breath of life. We've accepted eternal life. We have that. And so here's the thing. We don't have to live in fear of, of judgment. It says such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. And if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So if you're still living in fear of God's punishment, then maybe you don't fully understand God's love for you and his perfect love that, man, Jesus died to set you free. Now, here's the thing. You need to grow up and you need to mature in that love. You need to become more and more under in your understanding of what love is and what God calls love and then what the world calls love and be able to separate the two. So we should know what love is and we should know if it's being evident in our lives and if the people around us can see God's love in us. To wherever we go, there should be the love of Christ beaming out of us, literally shining in a, in a dark world like a light. That's what we're called to do. And so the, this love drives out that. This last statement right here. We love each other first. We love each other because he what? Loves us first. So if we really love God and he loved us first, then we've got to love people no matter what they look like, no matter what they vote like, no matter what they do. We've got to love them. And we don't have to love the sin, but we do have to love them. And we have to see them as someone that Jesus was willing to die for. And so it changes our whole perspective. So God's perfect love expels all fear. We talked about this last week. The areas that we have, we're afraid of or we have fear in are the areas that we trust God the least. That may be with our children. That may be with our finances. It could be anything. And so we, we, we worry and we stress and we fret over certain things because we don't trust God in those areas. But if we really fully trust God, it begins to expel all that fear, right? It, it drives it out. God's perfect love expels all fear. We need to grow in our understanding of how much God loves us. I think it's important for me to spend time in God's Word. I think it's important for me to spend time in prayer. I think it's important for me to spend time in worship. I think it's important for me to spend time meditating. I think it's important for me to spend time serving. I think it's important for me to look and see what God is doing around me. And as I do, I grow in my faith. I grow in my understanding. I grow in my knowledge of who God is. And I begin to understand his love more and more. And when I see God move in miraculous ways, man, it just gets me excited about what he's doing and what, he, what, what we get to be a part of. So I need to grow. We all need to grow. We need to mature. We need to become more obedient to what we know to do. So love will last forever. This love will. Now, the other love that the world sells will not. It'll be gone the next morning. Sometimes it's gone the next day. But this love that Jesus is talking about, that Jesus is offering, man, it lasts forever. It's called eternal life. So prophecy, and this is back to 1 Corinthians. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. 
So Paul's saying, hey, listen, man, this teaching, you know, we only understand a portion of it. All these certain things that are said, man, it will, it will come to an end, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. So even me teaching you guys today is only a portion of it. There will be a day when there will be all understanding. We will understand all things, right, in the presence of God. He'll let us know all things. But right now, we only see just a glimpse of what it could be. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. In other words, all this stuff, man, there will be a time whenever, hey, you know, all these partial things won't matter anymore. What matters is love. When I was a child, I spoke and I thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. See, there's a lot of Christians, there's a lot of believers that need to mature, need to grow up. They need to quit living on the milk of the word and begin to mature and grow up till you're feeding on the meat of God's word and you know God's word and you're living out God's word and you're applying God's word. And and so we often are okay with just being little babies like feed me some more, feed me some more. I tell people all the time, you know, get in a life group where you're, you know, and they go, well, I wasn't really getting fed in there. You ought to be old enough to feed yourself. You know what I'm saying? I mean, get in a life group where you're pouring into somebody else and God is teaching you and man, you're applying that truth to your life. You know, so we've got to say, God, help me to grow up. Help me to become mature. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. There will be a day when everything will be clear. There are times we go, God, I don't know what you're doing, but God, I trust you. God, I don't understand fully what's going on, but I trust you. And I trust you 100%. So, God, I'm trusting you. But there will be a day when it will be with clarity. All that I know is partial and incomplete, but, when, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. See, God knows everything about me. He knows my motives. Remember we prayed last week, God, search me, know my anxious thoughts. In other words, what are my motives? God, show me what my motives are. God already knows what my motives are. And when we pray that prayer, it is dangerous because he reveals what he already knows. What happens is too often we don't want to hear what God has to say. We want to justify our sin. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is what? And see, again, we would look at that and we would say, man, faith is important. It's faith in Christ that saves us. It's faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross that saves a man. So it's faith in Jesus that matters, right? But Paul said, hey, man, it's not the most important. The greatest of these is love. God loved you so much, he sent his son into the world to die on that cross so that you could put faith in him. So it's because of God's love. That's why it's so great. And so, therefore, we ought to love people the way that God loves us. And, man, that's why it's so great because it, it literally tears down all the barriers and all the things that get in the way and the things that cause division and divisiveness and all that stuff in our community, in our nation. All that can be done away with if we really love people. But we oftentimes don't want to love people. We just want to be comfortable. And we want everybody to think like we do and vote like we do and eat like we do and do what we do. But we've got to be willing to say, God, change me break me if you need to and then God send me wherever you want to send me to share your love the next steps maybe the most important thing you can do in here is to receive God's greatest gift of love through faith in Jesus today maybe you're watching online maybe you're here in the room and maybe you've been religious your whole life maybe you've gone to church you've been going to church since you were before you were born your mom took you for nine months and so you've been real religious but man you don't have love like this and you don't you don't live your life with that kind of uh, you know example or that kind of motivation or that kind of uh, adjectives about who you are you don't you don't live that way and so maybe you say god i, I want to experience that kind of love 
I want to have that kind of confidence. I want to have the confidence that when I stand before God in judgment, that I know that I am right with you because of what Jesus did. And that comes through faith and what Christ did on the, on the cross. Him showing how much he loved you. I heard a guy say a few months ago while we were talking, and I heard him say, he said, man, you know, he said about a year ago, he said, I didn't even believe there was a such thing as love. And he'd grown up in a bad home situation. And I'm just telling you, if we look at this world, we will begin to wonder, if, is there really a such thing as love? But when you look at the Word of God, and you look at what Jesus did, and you look at how much God loves you, you have to go, love is so powerful. Love is so real. And love is all around us. Here's the next one. We need to grow in God's love. Don't just sit here and just say, well, I'm good. Get in a life group. Join the dream team. You know, be around other believers that are growing in their faith. Pour into them. Serve others as they walk through the door. Make them feel welcome. You know, use your gifts to help build up the body of Christ. Make it about something other than you and your comfort zone. And say, God, I want to grow in your love because I want to love people the way that you love people. And then there's the last one. Share God's love. Tell someone what he's done in your life. Tell somebody how they can be saved. Tell somebody what God is doing in your life. Share God's love. And if you have to, use words. But if you, if you, don't, if you don't get to do that, use your hands and use your feet by blessing them, by serving them, by doing something that they go, you know what, obviously that guy loves me. And he cares about my soul. And he cares about me. So let me ask you this question one more time. Do you have love? Do you understand love? And I hope that today you understand what love is. So the other question I would ask you is, which version of love are you looking at? Are you fixed on? Are you focused on? Is it the, the world's version or the real version? Let's pray. I think everybody needs to hear this. God loves you with a love we can't even get words around. He loves you. Maybe you just need to hear that today. Maybe you're watching online. You need to hear that God loves you. He loves you so much he sent his son to die for you. He loves you. He loves you enough that he wants you to grow. He loves you enough that he wants you to change. He loves you enough that he wants to transform you to become more and more like his son, Jesus. Maybe you're here in the room and you've never put your faith in Christ. Maybe you're watching online and you've never put your faith in Christ. I want to give you that opportunity to receive love that lasts forever. And just where you are, just in your heart of hearts, just say, Jesus, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. And I have messed up. I have blown it. I am broken. And so, Jesus, I need you save me I'm begging you I'm asking you will you save me and his answer is yes Jesus will you come into my life will you be my leader will you be my Lord will you take over because I can't do it I surrender all to you right now I surrender everything and you got to mean it from the heart it's got to be by faith and then you say Jesus will you step into my life will you wash me clean And will you fill me with your love so that I can share your love with others?
I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. You say, Jesus, I come to you broken. I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm surrendering my life, and I want you to change my life. That's your prayer. If you just prayed that prayer, if you would just raise your hand high, just so I can pray for you. Anybody in the room? I see your hand back here. I see your hand right there. I see your hand right there. Anybody else? I see your hand right here. I see your hand right here. Anybody else? Hands all across the room. Maybe even online. If you don't mind, text us and let us know that you prayed that prayer. You received Christ. Let me just say to all those that raised your hand, welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. But let me just tell you this. God is not done with you. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to mature. He wants you to take steps. And the next step is to follow Christ in believer's baptism. The step after that is get involved in a life group. You know, let us put a new believer's Bible in your hand. Help you to know what the next steps are moving forward. Help us. Let us walk with you. Let's do life together. Let's do life together. Life is better together, I promise you. And so don't slip out of here today and say, well, I'm, I, you know, I let Mike know and that's enough. No, no, no. I want you to let, I want, fill out a card or text the decision. We want to follow up with you. We want to walk with you. So let us know so that we can, we can be on that journey with you. I also believe there's a lot of believers in this room that, man, you know that your love that you think you have in your life is not what I'm, I read, read today out of 1 Corinthians. And you need to ask God to break you over that. And say, God, I want, I want to have a love that is like Jesus. I want a love that is real. I don't want the superficial stuff the world is selling. I want what matters. I want what's going to last for an eternity. And there may be some of you that you need to get, take your spouse by the hand and you need to walk to an altar and you need to come down here and you need to pray together and you need to ask them to forgive you because you haven't loved them that way. Maybe there's a mom or dad in the room. You take your kids down. You take your kids and you say, hey, listen, I want to ask you to forgive me. I haven't loved you the way that God tells me to love you. Or maybe you're a kid in this room. You need to take your mom and dad down. And you say, hey, listen, I want to ask you to forgive me because I haven't been loving you the way that God's Word says to love you. We trust the Holy Spirit to lead you to do that. But you've got to have the courage and the faith to follow Him. I want to ask everybody to stand all across the room. You respond as the Holy Spirit leads. The worship team's going to come and lead us. Father, I pray that you would move in this moment. Help us to be obedient to what we know to do right now. God, what you're leading us to do in Jesus' holy name. Amen.